Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents The Kingdom Driven Family Podcast with your host, Andrea Schwartz. This podcast will equip and empower you to help advance Christ's kingdom through God's primary institution, the family, building a home that serves Christ and His kingdom. I can hear you, yes. Okay, great. So, so it's a little different today. Um, I don't know why technology always stumps me, but it does. Whether I've ever put on a production when I was running a homeschool choir or putting on plays, somehow or other the sound just, um, I don't know, the sound just makes it a greater challenge, and uh, I guess it's where I get to have my adrenaline go up and see if I can just stay present and not, uh, as we said last week, sweat the small stuff. So today, um, you and I sort of uh, discussed the sorts of things that we think are pressing on the minds of a lot of homeschool families. And one of the issues that we talked about was how does the marriage affect the homeschool or even vice versa? How does the school affect the marriage what do you think oh well i think that's a huge conversation that needs to be needs to be had because at church in maine we say that our um, goal is to return to the family the responsibility that's ours and as kingdom driven family that both of these both of the of us our listeners require the um, foundation of the family being right so that's certainly something that you can't you can't add to without that really good foundation. So I think it's really important that we know what a healthy biblically what a healthy family looks like. So if we don't have that, then we know what the target is. Okay. So I'm going to work back a little bit. Um, foundationally, uh, marriage has to be healthy right. for a family to be healthy. Yes. And we would say that progressively speaking, then, of course, the homeschool. But I'm going to work backwards intentionally. Okay. Because I want people to see the effect when things aren't. So let's first talk about health. Okay. Um, If something's healthy physically, that doesn't mean everything's working perfectly all the time. You can have a stiff neck and still be healthy. You can have a cold, and yes, you're affected by that, but it doesn't make it so that don't do anything else. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about the health of a marriage, we're not talking about something where there are no problems, there are no issues, because this side of heaven, I don't think that's legitimate. I don't think we're ever going to have a situation this side of heaven that there aren't issues. But if there are systemic problems, much the same way that if somebody has an underlying cancer or an underlying heart condition, it's going to manifest a lot of different ways. The same is true in a homeschool setting because if there's anything that's true about children, it is 
you don't fool them very easily. They pay way more attention to what you do than what you say. True. Mm-hmm. So if mom and dad are having issues, and I mean issues, like they're not talking to each other, Big ones. or there are fundamental disagreements in the course the family is taking, um, if there are financial difficulties that are putting a wedge there, don't think your children aren't going to notice. Because of course they're going to notice. Mm-hmm. You're not just their teacher as their mom, you're their mom. And mm-hmm. if there's a deadening silence where mom and dad aren't talking to each other, or if there's not a deadening silence and there's a lot of screaming, or there's just a basic understanding that they're heading in different directions, the children are going to perceive not so much a skewed view of history or languages or mathematics, they may decide that family life isn't all that great, and gee, I'm not sure I ever want to get married. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know people that have made that decision. They, their family has been in, in such a disarray that they didn't. But, but let. So what you're saying is the the fact that we have these issues, just like the fact that maybe we have a cold doesn't mean that the marriage is necessarily bad. So so it may be a, better to say having these issues doesn't mean the, the marriage is bad, but how do we resolve these issues when they come up? Is that, a, is that something that we need to look at in the health of our marriage? Well, absolutely. But that, the assumption is, and this isn't always the case, that the marriage was healthy to begin with. Okay. Um, there True. are situations where people don't come to faith until after they marry, and they don't come to faith simultaneously or ever. And so these are going to be the challenges that face the home school, but they're not insurmountable. And as long as our expectations aren't perfection this side of heaven, and what we are about is serving God where we are in terms of the situation and the abilities he gives us, then we can have a much more realistic view of how to maneuver through. Okay. Okay. I might be getting ahead of you, but what if we do have a situation where one um, spouse is a believer and the other is not, and there is that big um, disconnect about what we're supposed to be doing here and what are the goals? Okay, well, first of all, and I've known situations like this, as long as the unbelieving spouse is in favor of homeschooling, and in many cases I've seen that the the unbelieving spouse is, um, it's important that we approach even that situation scripturally. Now, in rare cases, and I don't think I've ever encountered one actually, you don't have the unbelieving spouse as the person who's doing the homeschooling. That usually is not the situation. It's usually right. the opposite. Right, right. Mom is doing the homeschooling, and Dad isn't a believing spouse. But he's all for the idea of homeschooling. One, because maybe it's less expensive than going to a private school, or maybe he understands the downsides of public school. And so... Because the scripture says that the believing spouse sanctifies, or that the children and the other spouse are sanctified through the believing spouse, there's no reason not to look at this as a valid marriage, it is a valid marriage, and that the believing spouse proceeds. 
So that means that the homeschool curriculum will reflect a biblical, or should reflect a biblical world and life view, and as much as possible, you're able to live in peace. So just because you have a believing spouse and an unbelieving spouse does not mean they have to be fighting all the time. Right. Scripture's pretty clear. So long as the unbelieving spouse wants to stay, and there isn't any requirement for you as the believing spouse to violate God's law, you've got a marriage, and, and the reality is maybe that unbelieving spouse will eventually come to faith. Mm -hmm. uh, you use the word sanctification. That's a big Bible word. Tell us what it means in plain old Southern. I don't, well, I don't know that I speak Southern, <laughs> well, but I'll try, I'll try. I, okay. I'm, a, I'm a New Yorker by birth and a California resident for the last, you know, almost 40 years. So I, I don't know that I can do Southern, but I'll, okay. I'll, I'll try. Okay. Sanctification, big word, means holy, become holy. And since part and parcel of what happens after our conversion is that we are to live for Christ, we are to live with the reality that we are born again, that means that the process of living until we exit earth and go to heaven is all about becoming more holy. So more and more we'll see sin being recognized for what it is, repented of, and turned, and living more as Christ would have us live. So in the situation that I mentioned about the believing and unbelieving spouse, what we have is an opportunity by the believing spouse living according to God's word that you might say her sanctification, her holiness rubs off on her children and her husband by having anything to do with her. Now, lest anybody think that's mystical, it's not. The scriptures shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That's an example of others being sanctified. Okay, so we'd say they get home training not because mama or daddy's bigger, but because um, the, these are the things that God requires of us as part of his family. Right. Okay. Right. Okay, so that's one situation, and I would have to guess, Nancy, maybe unless your experience is different than mine, that's not the majority of homeschooling families. Usually most homeschooling families have a mom and dad that are both professing believers in Jesus Christ. Most of them, yes. Right. But that doesn't mean that they always get along, they always see eye to eye, or that they're in a position that there aren't going to be difficulties. And like I said, if you have your children who are now going to go from the breakfast table it's going to get cleared off. It's now going to become the school table. Anything that went on at breakfast or when dad left for work or dad, let's say he works at home, goes to a different part of the house, whatever it is, those things are going to be present. And that's why it's very important that a homeschooling family recognizes that they are a family that homeschool. So the emphasis shouldn't be homeschooling family. It is a homeschooling family, which means that the, the law of God as it governs families needs to be in place. So husband and wives need to keep short accounts with each other. Uh, I'd be the first to tell you after almost 43 years of marriage that there are times where I know I drive my husband crazy. 
And how do I know that? Because there are times he drives me crazy. So this is a reality of life. We're not the same person, and we tend to elevate our wants and wishes and our preferences higher than someone else. So there's going to be some trespassing. That's why when we say the Lord's Prayer, we say, forgive us our trespasses. I like that translation better than debts because I can relate to family members trespassing each other. Mm-hmm. I, I have to be someplace right. at a certain time, and you're taking too long in the in the bathroom, and now I'm going to be late. You know, which of the Ten Commandments is that? Well, that's just the trespasses of life. Mm-hmm. But if we let those accounts get big, then what happens is they turn from little molehills, they turn into mountains. Right. And now, what the children witness or what the children are now experiencing from an upset teacher, dad's come off to work, and, and mom's now the teacher, is this sense of we're going to compartmentalize our lives. So I'm not saying these things aren't going to happen. What I'm saying is we need to be aware of the fact that in the homeschool setting, there is a stage that's, that we're on. And that stage has an audience of our children who are not only learning from us, What's important in terms of academics, they're also finding out, do mom and dad practice what they preach or not? Right. And, and as Christian homeschoolers, that's the, that's, the primary, um, the, that's the primary task of education is to train them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, not just the academics. So we really... The academics, and then there's some people. If there's problems in marriages, they maybe it would be better if we send them to school because we don't want them to see this upset. Well, it's yeah. not like they won't see the upset. They'll just have a lot of other things that occupy their time, and so these things won't be confronted and handled. And they won't be con- they won't be handled biblically. Right. Right. Okay. So I like to say to people, if your children see you argue. I mean, some people say never let them see you argue. Well, if it were my, in my house, then they would probably, you know, there would be a good portion of the time that they wouldn't necessarily see us because we didn't always have the same opinion on things. But I'd say if they see you argue, let them see you make up. Because oftentimes couples will make up privately mm-hmm. and the children wonder if mom and dad are still angry at each other. Right. And so it's not a bad idea, depending on what the circumstances are, you say, okay, you know, yesterday you saw Dad and I getting upset about this or that. Um, it had to do with finances. It had to do with I forgot to do something that he asked me to do, whatever it was, and we've resolved it. And use that as a teaching opportunity on how to resolve differences. Right. Okay. Very good. Very good. Um, I did have a question come in, Andrea, um, and that is um, – well, I had a listener say that she has questions, but she doesn't really know how to ask them, that her biggest wrestle lately is with healthy boundaries. So what would you say to that listener that says, what about healthy boundaries? Usually when we think of boundaries, we think about my stuff versus or his stuff versus her stuff. You know, where's the priority? Talk about submission. Talk about, you know, um, all those those um, kinds of things. So responsibility, priority in terms of boundaries. What would you say to her? I'd say you've asked a huge question. 
you know, come out and visit me for a couple of weeks. <laughs> there, there actually is a simple answer, okay. but then that answer has to be lived out. And, and here's, here's the issue, okay? So God's word sets up boundaries for individuals. We could say that the boundaries that everyone is supposed to follow or can be um, summarized in the law of God. So the two great commandments, love God completely, love your neighbor, and treat your neighbor the way you would want to be treated according to God's law. And then we've got the Ten Commandments, we've got the case laws. And so too often people accept the boundaries of tradition rather than the boundaries of God's law. Mm. So depending on what theological tradition you come out of, if you are very far to the left, and it's, I am woman, watch me roar, don't you tell me anything, I'm just as good as you, women can do anything men can do, and, you know, there really are no differences. Don't look at me as a woman, look at me as a person. Well, mm-hmm. God created you a woman, so we have to look at you as a woman if we're going to do it. The other end of the spectrum, let's go all the way to the right, is that I am a woman, and to be a good Christian, godly wife, that means I'm silent most of the time. Um, I find out what it is you think, dear husband, and I'm going to think exactly the same way because that really will ingratiate me to God and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Okay, neither one of them is an accurate biblical view. I'm glad for that. that? (laughs) It's really hard to do either one. But as we come from either side, some people are more comfortable in other places, and so they're going to like the, well, if I just do everything he says, then I'm not responsible for anything. And if we make a mistake, it's his fault, not mine. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not submission. That's your responsibility. Mm. Can you right? say that again? That's not submission. That's your responsibility. Good. That's good. We should. That's a refrigerator quote there. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Dan's going to create a magnet and everybody's going to put this on their refrigerator. I will get so rich. <laughs> I doubt it. Um, I wrote a book. My most recent book is called Empowered, and it's about how to be a godly woman. It's a great book. And not give up your position. Mm-hmm. And this is a really important part. This applies to homeschooling as much as it applies to family life. I raised my children. I homeschooled them. My name is Andrea. But when I was teaching them, my position was teacher. Mm-hmm. I have a position in my family as wife, as mother. These are positions. These have duties and responsibilities that go along with them. And Andrea, at different times, has held those positions. I'm currently not a homeschooling teacher because I don't have children. I'm homeschooling. But I remain a mother. I also became a grandmother, and I stay a wife. And if you don't look at God's word as to how to do all those functions, and you somehow think that you can just look around you and see what other people do and what they seem to get by with, and that you happen to like that particular thing, right? then you're not being obedient to the Word of God, and quite frankly, you're doing a poor job of what you're supposed to do. So let's go back to being a teacher. If you're a homeschooling teacher, you better be learning the Word of God, and you better know how to apply it, because your little darlings are going to give you ample opportunity to do so. And if you don't have an unchanging standard, what you're going to convey to them is, well, 
I'm in charge right now and we'll do things my way. Mm-hmm. So that when you get older and you don't have to listen to me anymore, then you can do things your way. But what we really want to convey, whether it's in our teaching role, our mothering role, our wifing role, if wifing is a verb, I don't know what to call it. Uh, wiping role um, is to do it God's way and then as we see failure or mistakes or sin on our part that we repent of those okay that's a really important um, that's a really important point because you know you've seen I don't know if you've seen these books but stuff about you know the psychological um, and self-help book self-help books about boundaries and those are so totally out contrary to what God says we need to be doing first and in seeking his kingdom first so as as a believer um, seeking his kingdom first is not some we um, the heaven after we die but that we first apply his um his priorities to our life first so we first have to know what does god require of us as a wife as the teacher as the parent is that what you're saying right because if you don't that means you're relying on your own wisdom and relying on your own wisdom goes so far and if we're all going to be terribly honest we would realize that most of the time left on our own devices, we don't know what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. We're reacting to things. That's what makes God's unchanging word so valuable to all people. But because, you know, I've been in the position and remain in the position of a woman of the house and the things that I have to do, knowing that even if all the things around me aren't being done correctly, I at least understand what the standard looks like. Right. Right, right. And it's an objective standard. It's not about how I feel. It's not about, um, you know, somebody stepping on my my hose and feeling unloved or disrespected. And, you know, the, there's those kind of teaching going around. You know, where do we put those things? So without the objective standard of God's word and for God's word to give us the biblical boundaries, then we'll really just be guessing and making up this game called life as we go along. Right. And what happens in too many families, and I'm sad to say I've seen it in more than I would care to, Mm -hmm. these problems persist in the marriage, but they decide they're going to soldier on through, get through grammar school, high school, graduate the children, and then there's a divorce. Seen that too. Like, whoa, what did you accomplish there? What, what was the goal? To say you got them through high school? Well, if that's all the goal was, you could have done it a lot, not necessarily righteously, but you could have just sent them to public school. Easier for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was seemingly easier. Mm-hmm. So what does a couple do if they're a homeschooling family and there's some issues? Well, first of all, it... it behooves them both to decide that they want to have things resolved. There's nothing that's going to work if you have one party that wants it to be resolved and the other party doesn't. And let's say that people can be stubborn. Even Christians can be stubborn. Yeah. 
Christians who aren't stubborn? Oh, no. <laughs> no, there's definitely Christians um, that are stubborn. My thought was, in a sense, the husband and the wife both have to decide for themselves who they'll serve themselves, their spouse, or properly the Lord God. Because when it comes right down to it, there's nothing intrinsically good about an unrighteous homeschooling situation or an unrighteous marriage. Neither homeschooling nor marriage is an end itself. Right. The kingdom of God is what our focus has to be. And through these various means, we serve the kingdom of God. Right. Right. Those are great points. Thank you. You're awesome explaining these things. Of course. If only I could get technology to work, it'd be <laughs> super awesome, but I'm not that awesome. Yeah. So what would you say to somebody that's really, you know, struggling with this concept of if if they're married to an unbeliever, how do they what would they do there? If if they feel like things are such disorder, perhaps they're married to an unbeliever. You know, how do we know that? Well, my advice to everybody in all places, whether you're saying I have a great marriage or I have a teetering marriage or I have the situation you just outlined, is that you have got to know God's law. Because you need to know what your righteous options are. Okay. So you talked about boundaries before. Um, if you're in a marriage and you have someone who is trying to get his way by physically dominating you, and you have no concept as to whether or not God's law says that should be in place or not, then you're not going to know how to respond. Right. And so there's the learning of God's word, and then, of course, there's being in community with other believers who are equally committed to God's word so that together you can sort things through. I'm not saying it's always going to be easy. But aside from physical boundaries, sometimes they're managerial boundaries that get crossed over. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and that's a real big one because if, in fact, you're the woman of the house and you're in charge of its operations on a daily basis and you're in charge of the day-in and day-out homeschooling and someone comes in who's not there most of the time and that someone is your husband says, I want it done like this and I want it done like that and I want it done like the other thing. Mm -hmm. Well, a good question to ask is, does your boss do that to you at work? Does he come in and micromanage you after he's not been there for hours and hours? So that's what I'm talking about where you have to have not so much a truth, but an understanding of what's my role and what's your role. Right. And if authority is delegated, then you have to be willing to let the person who's been having the authority delegated do it their way. And as a mom, moms know this, when you start getting your children to help around the house, they may not do things in the order you would have them done. Which, you know, you teach them, you say, okay, do this, that, and the other thing. They may decide to change it up, <coughs> pardon me, and, and do it differently. As long as the job gets done, that's what's important. Right. I once had my husband come um, and rearrange my pantry, 
which would be very nice, except he went and stacked all the tomato paste in one or cans of tomatoes in one stack. And I had it sorted back the meals that I was going to fix. So, um, you know, that's a, that's a small example. It's a silly, maybe a silly example, but it's sometimes the kinds of things that we fight, you know, can, can cause distress unnecessarily. You know, the pantry's not a big deal, but I knew where I put the stuff and I'm in charge of cooking and I put the stuff in there. So, you know, realizing, you know, who, who, has the responsibility and the authority to do things and, and to right. let them do it. You know, it's funny that you say that, but I bet you there are a fair number of marriages that can seem like they're on the breaking point because of tomato paste in the pantry that started the whole process. Right. So <laughs> the boundaries are, I'm glad you like it this way, but this is my managerial way I do things. And so long as it's not sinful, then the other person has to accommodate. And that goes both ways. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. And so God's law tells us what is sin. And to repent, when we recognize that, we need to repent. If we don't call sin, sin according to God's law, then we really can't have God's cleansing solution and um, reconciliation and restitution that's required. So all these, all these problems just get stuffed down and don't ever really get dealt with. So that's an, that's some, another reason that, that we all need to look to God's law and know that and to be able to function in terms of that so that we are calling the boundary lines properly. And I don't want anybody to think that this is a cut and dry, go to the book, go down to page such and such, column six, and now we've got it figured out. Mm. It has to be an ongoing thing. And I take women through the study of biblical law in group settings and in private settings as well. And if you've ever read Rush Dooney's The Institutes of Biblical Law, it's one thick book. Yes. And it doesn't mean that, okay, this all has to be read in one sitting. It can't be. As a matter of fact, it's not advisable because you have to first get your hand around, am I being obedient to the, the commands God puts on my life with regards to him? You're never going to get it right dealing with other people until you get yourself right with God. Right. I've often said that we cannot be part of a healthy marriage unless we're a healthy individual. So that is uh, that's something to bear in mind, too. Um, you know, sin often looks for a scapegoat. So we would much rather blame somebody else for the problems. Um, the woman you gave me, the husband, the circumstances, the environment, that bratty kid, whatever it is. But it's really us that needs to at first put our ourselves before the Lord. And one of the things that Christians can tend to do is to beat each other on the head with their Bibles. Mm. If you read your Bible in terms of finding all those areas where your spouse is not measuring up, you'll have great reading. As a matter of fact, I'm sure people would read <laughs> the Bible a whole lot more if, you know, what they were going to do was find out, I want to know exactly where my husband is wrong. Yeah, yeah. 
not the best way to do it. The better way to do it is to read the scripture and say, God, if I am in violation of any of this, would you please bring it to my attention? Because the reality is I can change myself, whereas I can never change anyone else. Right, right, right. Marriage is the ordinary state for men and women. The Bible tells us that um, it's not good for man to live alone. And so he created a, a helper suitable. So I do pray that we would be faithful to um, to understand that God has made marriage. He's made it good. And um, to learn to live and operate in terms of that. Andrea, we're out of time. You got something else you want to say right quick? I just want to say that marriage, we don't need to look at it as good or bad. It's what God gave us. It yeah. is the institution. And we have to look at it the way God gave it. He gave it for a man and a woman to come together. And together, they produce children. And those children, along with their parents and all the offspring that come, that's where the dominion mandate to go be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth comes from. So instead of saying, I don't want to get married because I've seen how unhappy marriages are or being in a family is too difficult. My family was so dysfunctional or whatever the term is now. We need to realize that that's where we're supposed to be because that's where we are going to be formed and shaped to do the kingdom work that God calls all of us. Yes, ma'am. Thank you very much, friend. It's always a pleasure talking to you. All right. Till next time. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining Andrea Schwartz and the Kingdom Driven Family Podcast. Holding up the family and self-government as a true and lasting means of transforming society. Please visit thekingdomdrivenfamily.com and reconstructionistradio.com.